0: This is Beat the Closing Line.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside NFL analyst for the lines.com, Eli Hershkovich. As you know, each Thursday, we bring on a special guest to talk about the sports betting industry or how the season is going so far. And this week, we are going to be talking to Mike Mazio, writer over at Legal Sports Report. He's covering all all things gambling industry in the U.S. as well as sports betting. Mike, thanks for joining us today. How's it going?
2: Doing well, guys. Nicole and Eli, thanks a lot for having me.
1: Of course, before we get started on the interview, just make sure that you like this video, leave a comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And of course, if you are listening to us where you get your podcast, subscribe to the Beat the Closing Line pod, and make sure on Apple to leave us a five-star review for your chance to win an Amazon gift card. Without further ado, I'm going to let Eli take it away for the first question.
3: Yeah, so we keep hearing about the potential for retail sports betting in Massachusetts potentially before the Super Bowl. Coming out in late January, then online sports betting getting launched before March Madness, which is obviously a huge timeline. We've seen that in a couple states going back to to last year even. Is this a realistic timeline, though, uh, considering the process that's been going on with the state in terms of launching, actually launching sports betting? Uh, Is it realistic? I mean, that's the hope. They've continually
2: called it an aggressive timeline, and so... uh, you know, the regulators are meeting at this second as we're talking right now. Uh, the big news was that DraftKings wanted them to reconsider. DraftKings was basically the only operator. They had a roundtable in September. They said, are you guys comfortable with a staggered launch where retail would go first and then mobile? DraftKings said, no, we want the universal start date. Why? I guess because they don't have a brick and mortar operation, but they employ a lot of people in Massachusetts. So they figured, well, we're paying taxes just like they are. We don't want anyone to get an advantage. We don't want like Win, MGM, Barstool to have that advantage where they don't have online yet, but they're launching retail. They're getting their brand out there. They're getting their name out there, uh, whatever. I mean, people in Boston, people in Massachusetts, no DraftKings. So uh, I would personally be surprised if they can turn this thing because that may delay things already, right? Like a lot of people are like, how come you don't have online up by the Super Bowl? That just makes perfect sense. If your goal is to make money for your state and tax revenue, the Super Bowl is the king. So have that event available for people to bet online and then grow your marketplace. Uh, Obviously, that's not going to happen, right? They're hoping to get the casino, you know, to have people be able to bet at the casinos by the Super Bowl. Uh, The way that they go through regulations, you know, with people, basically, there's a couple of people on the commission that have, you know, very strong legal backgrounds. They want to go through everything with a fine tooth comb to make sure there's no problems, right? All the I's are crossed and the T's are dotted, whatever. I just messed that up, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think I just messed that up, but that's fine. Anyway, so um, they have a divide usually on a lot of issues and it causes them to like punt votes on things that they need to get done. Like They need to get regulations done. So they punted them. to this week, so there's like 12 votes before they even bring up this DraftKings issue. Uh, so we'll see how they, you know, go by the time, uh, You know, uh, later today, a couple hours, we'll probably know whether DraftKings gets their change. I mean, I'd just be shocked. Uh, Then back to your original question, whether they get this done by retail, by the Super Bowl, and then online by March Madness, I I don't know. You just never know with them because things could get delayed and they are on an aggressive timeline. And I feel like the people on the back end think they can pull this off. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put this timeline out there. But the commission really likes to go through everything and have control, and they really like to do things by the book, so we'll see.
1: I mean, we've seen states... Turn it around really quickly. But like you said, it depends on how quickly the commission wants to get through these rules and regulations. So it definitely can be done. We've seen it be done in the past. But like you said, it just depends on those regulators taking a look at the rest of the U.S. landscape as a whole outside of Massachusetts. What states are are most likely going to come on board next with some form of legal sports betting?
2: Yes, I mean, I think Maryland is up next. They have a qualification hearing right now as we speak. So there's like 10 online sports betting operators. I would just assume they're all going to be approved. Again, whether we come back in a couple hours and one or two doesn't get in, I don't know, but I would think they'll all go through. Um, it was a lot of the usual suspects, right? DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, MGM. Um, Fanatics is the interesting one. They want to go live uh, January 2023. Um, and so I think Maryland, assuming everything goes well, I think Swark meets November 21st. So assuming they get all the licenses approved, they get the regs approved, uh, December, I think for that state should go live for online sports betting, which is, uh, you know, huge for that marketplace, right? DC has had its share of struggles that just came out. Virginia has, I think, 13 sports books online. So that's, you know, super competitive market, lots of places for residents and and people in that area to go to to bet legally. Uh, Ohio, January 1st, 2023, that's coming up. That's again, huge for that market. And then, uh, yeah, and then I think it's a question of what's next after that. Um, A lot of states, TBD, but, you know, Maryland and Ohio should be the next two.
1: And then I'm going to follow up with one that is not so good news, and that is California. So there were was polling done for Prop 27 in California, which was the proposition to legalize sports betting. And it's only 27% of the voters supported it or what it looked like on that polling. You just wrote a recent article that I believe you said went up at midnight on Legal Sports Report that Governor Gavin Newsom ended up coming out and saying that he did not support that prop as well. So what's the fallout for sports books if this isn't legalized? and do you think it even gets legalized by 2024?
2: Yeah, just nothing like you said Nicole, nothing looks good there. Uh the governor finally coming out. I mean, it already looked like it was dead. I mean, it just seems like it's on life support at this point. Uh if that's even fair, you know. Um strange timing, I guess, but you know, he he comes out hours uh you know, earlier in the day <laughs> and next, you know, PPIC puts out a poll that's 26%. It was Prop twenty-seven was pulling at twenty-seven percent. Now this poll says it's pulling at twenty-six percent. But regardless of what it is, it's not good, right? And then uh, Prop twenty-six, which would be the tribal retail, is pulling at thirty-four percent. So that also looks, you know, like it's it's done and dusted. So yeah, I mean, is twenty twenty-four possible? I think it depends. Can you know? First off, the sports books are in their own little world. The tribes are really upset with them at this point. It's it's definitely ugly between the sides. The tribes pretty much want to control everything. They they want control of that online casino that seems to be the key in everything sportsbooks kind of just a vehicle to get there um and so the tribes are going to have to meet there's 110 tribes they all kind of have differing differing interests so it's going to be tough for them to all to come together and they really don't necessarily want the sportsbooks involved unless basically as victor rocha of the Bechanga said, like. We don't want you to be our anything but our our tech providers, like our can be our, our B2B, just, you know, where you would power our app, but it would be called like the Morongo app or the San Manuel app or the Pechanga app. Uh so yeah, that's I mean, I don't think DraftKings and, and uh you know, FanDuel, Caesars, MGM are gonna be amenable to to that at this point. I mean, maybe they have to be because they want the market access and they want the revenue there, but I mean, that just doesn't sound too appealing for, for sportsbooks that have huge brands across the country when every other state is legalizing pretty much at this point. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, Nicole, whether it goes 2024, we'll see. They're definitely going to try to push that. I think the books have to push that, but they also have to probably go with a, a different approach because this approach clearly hasn't worked and they somehow have to get on the same page with the tribes and I mean, if it's going to go in 2024, there needs to be one proposition, not two. And there doesn't need to be confusing messaging. I mean, the only people that should be against it in 2024, if everybody gets on the same page, would be like, you know, uh, you know, addiction people who don't want the spread legalization, as we kind of see in every state. But these two sides have to sort of get on the same page and the tribes want to be in control of everything. And at this point, it, it, I don't think it can happen unless that's the case, really. Or, you know, whether we hit the recession or there's a change in, you uh, you know, the administrations, right? The gov- government, something like that. Somebody's motivated there. But right now, the governor, governor's not motivated. Doesn't seem like any key legislator there is motivated to move it. Um, and so, yeah, I think we're kind of at a standstill. And
3: yeah, 2024 seems crazy at this point, but a lot can obviously change in two years. So we'll see where we're at. Within that negative rant, Mike, you mentioned DraftKings and you've mentioned DraftKings a lot here <laughs> uh, during this podcast. And they have that reported deal with ESPN, with ESPN, assuming they do end up expanding their betting coverage. We've seen it with NBC Sports. You know, I was watching the Bulls game here in Chicago last night, and they have a betting cast, essentially, where they have all the betting odds on the side with player props and, and live odds, live betting markets. What kind of shift do you think we could see here with ESPN in the coming years? And again, kind of similar to the other topics we've discussed, is it realistic considering the Disney connection?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's something that, Erk magnus the head of programming talked about on monday at a summit i went to in new york he was asked basically you know what do you kind of foresee and he said we want to be in the sports betting space uh we have no hesitations which obviously they do right because it's it's four years after paspa fell so they've had tons of hesitations you know that's that's doesn't really uh equate to reality of what's going on right espn's had hesitations whether it's because they're a disney brand they're quote unquote like family brand Sure. Maybe that is something. But, you know, somebody asked him, that's what they said. uh, You know, do you have hesitations because you're a family brand? And he said, no, we don't have any. You know, we know our fans want it. We pulled them. They want it. So we're going to be in the space. Obviously, they have a lot of content up right now. They have the deals with Caesars and DraftKings. You know, the Bloomberg report is they're going to go exclusive with DraftKings. Neither side has confirmed or denied that. So, I mean, at this point, it seems like it makes a lot of sense. But how it's going to manifest, as Burke said, they don't know. They just know they're not a sports book, so you're not going to see ESPN sports book coming out. Uh, but perhaps you see some sort of DraftKings odds or whatever it is, uh, and maybe a link to go to DraftKings to bet, you know, through ESPN. I don't know at this point, right? They have the ESPN Plus stream. And then I think a lot of this, as there's industry speculation, just rumor at this point, conjectures like like, is this for the TV rights, right? The NBA TV deal uh, is going to be up, I think, in 2024, 20, 2025. So is that where they're headed? Does DraftKings kind of want to get a piece of the pie? ESPN wants that exclusive uh, exclusivity, uh, as Burke said. But, uh, you know, is that where they're going, where you get that single screen experience? Like you said, with with uh, bet and the Bulls, right, the Bulls broadcast. Like, is that something where you're going to be able to watch the game on your iPad and be able to click through live odds that are from, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel, whoever has that deal? I think that's kind of where it's headed to me. Um, But there's certainly a lot of hurdles there because you got latency, you have the TV rights. There's just a lot of things that need to be figured out at this point. But that, to me, is where sort of why you'd want to make this deal. I would think if you're DraftKings, besides just getting your brand recognition and aligning with ESPN, which is such a powerful brand, uh, it's probably a smart move long term as well.
0: You're listening to the Lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. to make you a better sports bettor.
1: We're going to switch gears here a little bit and delve into some sports. So we know that the World Series is about to start tomorrow. If for those of you that don't know, Mike is based in New York and actually covered the Yankees for quite a bit of time, and we're going to talk Aaron Judge. So there are odds or there were odds posted for Aaron Judge's next team if he does end up leaving the Yankees. The Giants were the favorite at +200. Next, it's Mets at +250 and Dodgers at +350. Do you have an opinion on where he might go next?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like, I mean, people that are more plugged in than me at this point, because I'm kind of outside this, I'm talking to sports betting people now, not Yankee people, but uh, basically say <laughs> even the Yankees don't know at this point what uh, what's going to happen. So, I mean, from all indications, he's never said he wants to leave. He, he continues to say wants to say, you know, loves being a Yankee. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think of those teams you just mentioned, the Giants is definitely the one to, to look out for. They have, I think, a lot of payroll flexibility, um, need some power. I mean, he's a phenomenal face for your franchise and, you know, his family's from California. He grew up there. He was a Giants fan he as a kid. There's a lot of links there that make a lot of sense for him to jump into, you know, second spot in the line, up third, fourth, wherever they want to hit him. Um, he just fits in perfectly. He's a, you know, lead by example guy, keeps himself clean off the field, really doesn't have any issues, has led the, you know, most arguably, whatever you want to call it, like the most prestigious franchise in professional sports, had success on the field. It was ridiculous that he was booed in the playoffs. I couldn't believe it. He basically single-handedly carried the team. And then obviously the Yankees lowballed him and then said what they offered him and and kind of wanted to make him look greedy. But now, I mean, it looks like he could get, who knows, 30, 40 million. He pretty much can name his price at this point. He can get as many years as he wants. So uh, I think at the Yankees, as they'll always do, they'll let the kind of market set itself and you know, is it a situation like Robinson Cano where he gets a huge deal from Seattle and the Yankees say, you know, you're a budding superstar, but we don't want to keep you. And they look pretty good, I think, for doing that. Jacoby Ellsbury signing after was not good, but I think the reasons for letting him go were good. So, yeah, I mean, and the Yankees are really in a no one situation because they can't afford to lose him. They just don't have the there's no real they have a good shortstop prospect, Anthony Volpe, that that may be the next big thing there. But uh just with the age of their players, a lot of guys coming off injury. Um, there's not many stable points there. They have a GM that may not come back. I think he probably will. It looks like Aaron Boone's coming back. I think Brian Cashman will come back as long as he wants to. He's been there forever. Um, and so, yeah, there's just a lot of things in flux there. And so, yeah, I think the giants of those teams you, you guys mentioned are probably the biggest threat there. And that's probably if you're going to that, and I don't want to go either way. I'm not a <laughs> tout or anything like that, but, uh, you know, that would be the team that you probably hit as a, uh, as one to watch. <laughs>
0: No, we're going
3: to blame you because people are going to bet Aaron Judge to go to the Giants at plus 200 and then they're going to come after you, Mike. But it's not just the home runs with Judge. It's the gold glove defense. And we saw it last year, this past regular season with the Giants, terrible defensive team and a lot of errors that cost them a lot of games. It wasn't just their, their pitching and their middle tier bats and their own respective injuries. But let's shift over to the NFL, Mike, and let's do some buy or sell with some betting odds, you have the Giants in your or near your state. They play in the Meadowlands at six and one. <laughs> the Jets are somehow five and two, have gotten some lucky breaks and faced some fortunate situations with the quarterbacks on their respective opponents. But sticking with the Giants here for Dable's team, they're plus 900 to win the NFC East. And they, I think, were plus 800, plus 850 at the beginning of the regular season. And that's because the Eagles are undefeated up until this point. And the betting market is infatuated with Philly. So, Would you consider buy or sell betting the Giants at plus nine hundred still to win this division?
2: Uh, I'd just be super surprised. I've been surprised by everything. It seems like they've gotten every bounce, every break, and they've played really well. And Daniel Jones looks like a competent quarterback, which I just I can't (laughs) believe. Like I think he's in top ten in total QBR. I'm like Daniel Jones top ten in QBR? No way. Like so. I mean, credit to the coaching staff. Wink, Dable. Uh, Kafka, like the whole coaching staffs just revitalized the team. I mean, they had a horrible coach last year record showed it, uh, you know, ownership was getting killed and it looks like John Mara made a really, really good hire. The, the Mara family made a, a really nice hire there in Dable. He's, he stabilized everything. Saquon's playing out of his mind. Wink has a lot of no names on defense. You barely know who's in the secondary these days, but you know, making that huge stop at the one yard line in Jacksonville was crazy. Uh, still, I, I just, I don't know. It, it, it just seems hard to, to bet against Philly, um, they they looked phenomenal hurts looks looks great defensively they just added another pass rusher right uh in a trade so I, it, I i can't see the giants beating the i don't know the eagles and cowboys i don't know but who i don't know who knows that they they've, <laughs> they've been so terrific it's been a really phenomenal year like i said i thought they were going to be in the the, the the young sweepstakes, you know, the Alabama kid for quarterback and in the, in the top five in the draft. And they look like they have a real shot at the playoffs. I mean, they could be nine and one. It's it's great. The whole thing's crazy. It's a really nice storybook year. Uh, New York, we haven't had a lot of success with our sports teams the last decade. But the most fun ones are the ones that come out of nowhere. And both the Giants and Jets are doing it at the same time. And they win every Sunday. And you're just sho- <laughs> it's shocking to me because uh, of the dysfunction and everything that's gone on there. Really uh, incredible. But I would say, yeah, I mean, I'd probably sell the Giants when in the NFC uh, East if we're if we're asking. But speaking- I could be wrong. I'll come back. I'd be wrong <laughs> on a lot of things with the Giants. So,
1: well, speaking of the Jets, let's talk <laughs> about the Jets next. They score two touchdowns in two minutes against the Browns. They're pretty fortunate in terms of the quarterbacks that they're facing, whether it's injuries or just. Bad quarterback play. Eli did put a dig in against my Steelers quarterback in this question here, but I'm not going to say it. I'm going to pass on it. The Jets are <laughs> plus 135 to make the playoffs and still minus 165 to miss it. So, Mike, are you buying or selling the Jets' playoffs hopes here?
2: Again, just that's a tough one too. Only because that Brees Hall injury it just felt like they're he was carrying their offense. Like they finally tearled everything to him. And I do worry about Zach Wilson. Just the I mean, he has a phenomenal group of receivers. One of them wants out. Elijah Moore wants out. So that's kind of some dysfunction they had to deal with at a really weird time, but you know, he wants more, uh, <laughs> probably more, uh, passes thrown more targets. He wants more passes thrown his way. So, uh, yeah, I mean, their defense has been phenomenal sauce gardeners is like one of the most fun players to watch just electric. um, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I really don't. I, I think they could sneak in there. You know, can they go nine and eight? Sure, I could see that. But that Brees Hall injury is tough. The Robinson move is really good from Jacksonville to get, you know, another kind of established running back in there that's had some success in past years. So, yeah, I think the Jets can do it. Plus one. Th- what is it? Plus one thirty five.
3: Seems like pretty good value there to to take a shot. How about a how about a bigger long shot, Mike, to wrap yep. it up here with the NBA I watched Jalen Brunson going back to high school as a freshman when I was a senior at Stevenson and covered him when he was playing at Villanova, won two national championships. Now he's in your home state or your current state with the Knicks at plus 2,500 to win most improved player. And he's been off to a phenomenal start. Uh, His advanced metrics are off the charts. Would you consider buying that price there, 25 to 1 that is, to win most improved? improved player. Yeah, I think, uh,
2: you know, tremendous. Uh, I saw somebody compare him to Jason Kidd with the Nets. I think that's a little much that that like kid uh, revitalizing the Nets from like everything from the court to like making the people that sell tickets want to work harder. I don't know if he's doing that. But, uh, you know, uh, cause I think of that as like the James Harden when he came with the nets originally before everything went downhill, like he was single-handedly carrying the team averaging near triple double, but yeah, Brunson stabilized the team. They've had a couple really nice wins. I mean, they, their opponents haven't been that tough. Um, I think they have some games coming up this weekend. That'll kind of, you'll see, uh, where they're at, but Julius Randall's playing a lot better cause he's kind of falling in the pecking order. He doesn't have to be that ball starper on offense. Brunson hit that huge three late last night, uh, yeah, I mean he's a terrific player. Um, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, and so, yeah, I think a plus twenty five hundred. Yeah, why not? That's a that's a really nice gamble. Um, question is, I mean, he was a really good player already too. So that's the one thing there. Like he was a phenomenal player, but now he's stepped into kind of the number one wall. He doesn't have Luka Doncic next to him. He's got R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, who are probably not you know thought of as one number one options. And so it really really impressive, really nice pickup for the Knicks. Uh, they haven't had a point guard in like twenty years besides Jeremy Lin for like three weeks, which was probably the most fun three weeks of sports <laughs> we'll ever have. I don't know if there'll ever be a phenomenon like that again, just coming out of nowhere. But yeah, I think Brunson is, is good value. But the question is like, was he already a good player? Does he get to that like twenty five points per game mark? I don't know what he was averaging in Dallas, but it must have been what, like sixteen, seventeen. So that's the one question mark I have there with that.
1: Mike, thank you so much for joining us. If you want updates on the legal betting industry, what where your state stands as far as getting legal sports betting, make sure you head over to legalsportsreport.com. And as always, Eli and I will see you next week with Mo. If you are betting this weekend, good luck. We'll see you next time.